Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Are you looking to provide biblically-based hope and healing to your community? Bob Kellerman is here to assist you with practical tips and thorough steps. His newest releases, Gospel-Centered Marriage and Gospel-Centered Family Counseling, will equip you to utilize your theology in a way that transforms relationships. To learn more about these books, please visit BakerBookHouse.com. BakerBookHouse.com. Welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. And today I'm excited to bring back Bob Kellman for part two of our conversation. Bob, welcome back, brother. Thanks, Dave. Part one was a lot of fun. Me too, me too. Well, can you just briefly catch us up? I know you shared last week about what's going on. Uh, what, what's uh, what's new in your life and your, your marriage and ministry these days? Sure. First, uh, as I mentioned in the first interview, I really appreciate talking uh, being interviewed date by a friend. Uh, we enjoyed some real good time uh, about a year ago before all this COVID stuff uh, at a uh, breakfast restaurant nearby and just encouraging each other, praying for each other. So it's fun to interview with a friend. So, so thanks for inviting me. Uh, what's new? Uh, two years ago, uh, my wife, Shirley, and I moved from northwest Indiana to the great Pacific Northwest, which you're very familiar with. Uh, we live between Seattle and Tacoma. We moved here to be by our son, uh, daughter-in-law, daughter, and three granddaughters. Uh, we love grandparenting. Just yesterday, we had all three of our granddaughters, daughters over for five hours of uh, fun with Pop Pop and Grandma. Uh, so we enjoy that. Some people may think, well, wait a second. You work at Faith Bible Seminary in Lafayette, Indiana. How do you live in uh, the Pacific Northwest? Well, lots of people do distance learning and teaching now. And so I fly out there from time to time, but do a lot of ministry by Skype, by Zoom, uh, even some teaching by uh, Zoom-type technology. And at the seminary, I'm, let's see, lots of titles, um, dean of students, academic dean, professor of biblical counseling, and I just love equipment counselors and, and pastors at the seminary. And then since we are newer in the area, uh, Shirley and I have become very active members at Christ Church, not far from where we live here in Auburn. And it's in February, Washington, great preaching, uh, vibrant counseling ministry that I'm a, a part of and active life groups and a life group members have been a real blessing to us. So I think that catches people up pretty much on what the Kellermans are up to. Yeah, wonderful, brother. I, I love seeing the pictures there. It's always fun. I'm like, hey, I've been there. I've been there. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. You know, I love I loved going to the pier and, and walking around in the pier when it, you know, when it's not rainy and overcast. But, you know, I would often take the bus over from Bellevue to go over there. Bellevue's across the way from Seattle, for those that don't know. So I'd take the bus over there to go downtown and walk around and um that was that was one of my favorite things to do and even going on the ferry was fun and and um so lots of memories there for sure yeah well can you uh tell us about uh this book gospel-centered family counseling and equipping guide for pastors and counselors you know what motivated you to write this book and how do you hope it'll be 
leaders. I like that word motivated. And if I can, I'd like to share kind of a personal motivation and a true story of what motivated me and uh, kind of a broader uh, ministry motivation. So uh, I've done marriage and family counseling for like three decades. I taught on it for a quarter century. And I church I was at in Northwest Indiana, the counseling pastor wanted to do some job sharing and, and some I retire and he wanted me to transition some of his uh, marriage and family cases. So I sat down across from his desk and I can picture it very vividly as he passes to me three very thick file folders of counseling notes and he shares with me that these were three of the most difficult marriage and family sort of issues he ever had. And, and I had two thoughts. First, kind of thought to myself, well, thanks a lot for passing me the most difficult one. And the second thought was a little more arrogant. Yeah, but I teach on this. I've done this forever. They won't be so hard for me. And you can probably guess where I'm headed with this. Dave. It uh, wasn't too long. I was back in his office apologizing and admitting my arrogance and saying, yep, these are some difficult issues. And so 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5 really went through my mind as I wrote this book. Um, it talks about our confidence is not in ourselves, but our confidence and our confidence is in Christ. So I started scouring scripture from Old Testament to New Testament. What does the Bible say about not only family life, but ministering to family parental discipleship. Uh, so really, this book was for me. Uh, I entered it with kind of open palms uplifted to the Lord. I need to get better, even after 30 years of doing this, because cases are more difficult than ever. So that was a, the personal motivation. There's also a, definitely a broader motivation. When I think about the broader Christian community, I look at your podcast and listen to them, and you've got a lot on family life, family ministry, lots of books out there, great books out there on, on how to do parenting. There's very few that you'll find in the Christian public world on how to do family counseling. And when you think of Bible colleges and seminaries, uh, there might be a, a course on individual counseling. There might be a course on the theology of family, but again, no courses most people take on how to do family counseling. Uh, so what ends up happening is if you've been taught to do individual counseling, you do individual counseling with an audience. You talk to the parent, the kids listen. You talk to the teen, the parents listen. You never get them communicating. You're not really taught a how-to approach to get them interacting together. And what happens is, as you teach at them, and of course, biblical teaching is a, a central part of biblical counseling, but it's not everything, uh, they become very counselor-dependent. So the approach in uh, gospel-centered family counseling is really to kind of pass the torch, especially to the parents, older kids, teenagers also. So they learn to minister to one another. The parents learn to be shepherds to their kids. Parents and kids become, especially teens, each other's best biblical counselors. So I was really motivated to kind of fill that gap that I think is currently existing in the publishing world and the training world that really teaches biblical counselors how to equip parents, older teens to really minister to each other uh, through the counseling setting. Well, I think that this is absolutely critical. You know, um, both of my parents have memory issues now. I don't know if you knew this. My mom got diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's and, um, you know, my dad's had dementia for a long time and, and they often call me. You know, we've had our challenges over many, many challenges as, as parents and sons did you know um, sure. every yeah. everything under the sun but you know they call me they ask me will you pray for me um, you know and they ask how they can pray for me they're both Christians and you know we care about one another and I think that is just so so important and it, that that's why I appreciate about your work is it's not only biblical but it, it has application to, to real life how do you how do you do this you know you even said that you know there is a lot of books out there on marriage and but not a lot on family and you know there's so many families that you know fatherlessness is such a big issue um you know communication marriage conflicts in families between parents and their children
children and uh, children leaving the faith and I mean on and on you could go and so I, I think that this book is absolutely needed um, you know for those for those reasons we have real issues in our that that need to be helped and addressed so I, I so appreciate the fact that you wrote this thank you and you know as you share that what you described is your ability with your parents to work through those sort of things and of course what happens a lot of times in counseling is nobody's been discipled to do that you have discipleship to do that so when counseling that's exactly what I want so that when I'm not there anymore they can't be with me 24-7 that then they're able whether it's with adult parents young adult children or children or parents with, with young children in the home really that ability apart from the counselor to uh, do that family soul care if you will is, is a big part of, of what we're trying to equip the counselors to do and equip the, the parents in particular that's good brother really good in gospel center family counseling you emphasize that family counselors don't replace parents they empower parents can you uh, flesh out this concept for us please yeah and that really goes with what we've been talking about Dave. i'm just doing individual counseling um it's like okay we come here you fix my teenage son you fix us there, there's nothing that really gets them connected together uh, so when i teach individual counseling i teach a model from church history and from uh, the word of god with kind of four compass points sustaining healing reconciling and guiding and, and i'll describe briefly what i do with that in individual but then talk about how we try to empower the parents in particular to do that with their children so in sustaining if i'm doing individual counseling i'm empathizing with i'm weeping with uh, a hurting parent or a hurting teenager if the, the father's been particularly uh, aggressive or abusive in any way in healing i'm trying to help a, a parent or a, a teenager to find god's hope in the middle of a messy situation in individual counseling with reconcile i'm trying to help people see the sin in their own heart I repent of that find god's gracious forgiveness I return home enjoy that reconciliation first with their heavenly father then with with others and then in biblical guiding i'm trying to help people in individual counseling to understand what it is to tap into christ's resurrection power to, to put off those old ways so what happens a lot of times in family counseling if folks haven't been trained well is they just counsel the parent and do that sustaining healing reconciling guide counsel the, the teenager or the children and do that what i really teach in this book is we empower the parent in particular to do that you're not really going to empower a six-year-old child to do sustaining maybe a 16 year old teenager but but think about a parent that comes in husband and wife mom and dad they've blown it some as a parent they've got a pretty sullen teenage son maybe 16 years old i don't just want to sustain them i want to get the parent really getting to the point of maturity where they can step back and say like our sullen son has hurt us but we're going to lament to the lord he's going to be our comfort and we're going to really try to hear how we've hurt our son and so imagine a, a dad beginning to look at that and saying something like we're sorry for the hurt we've been causing you son uh, we're beginning to understand some of the discouragement you're feeling that uh, we've been responsible for uh, the bible says not to embitter and discourage your children but we've been doing that please forgive us i mean right there that father's done sustaining and reconciling and guiding probably three of the four in that one paragraph uh, you get uh, a mom a dad to that point of empowering them and they don't need you anymore uh, you're really trying to help the family and especially if you're working with parents and teenagers have some mutual empathy some mutual ownership imagine a team that hears that and maybe over time because maybe there's been a real pattern but that team says you know mom and dad it's not only you guys I'm starting to see how I've hurt both of you with my angry attitude. I don't like how I've been. I don't like how we've been. I'm not sure I know how to change, but but I want things to be different. I mean, what an opportunity then for the counselor to step in and say, well, let's have you guys talk together about how to change biblically. What passages could we look at that talk about changing and how we communicate, how we relate, changing at the heart level? So that 
that's what I mean by don't replace the parents, but empower the parents to be sole caregivers to their own children. Yeah, that's really good. I, I, I remember an example. I was 16 years old and my dad and I didn't have any kind of relationship at all. Um, like many sons, you know, we had a lot of fighting and there there was a lot of fighting in our home when I was a child. Um, too much to really get into, but we didn't really have a relationship. And um, I had a lot of bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. And um, I was reading uh, Matthew 6, 12 and through 14. And I think there's there's a passage in, I think, in Colossians 3 or 4. Uh, you can remind me about it. It says, you know, we're supposed to forgive as Christ forgave us. And the Holy Spirit whacked me over the head <laughs> at that point. And I just realized here I am sitting in my room um, and I'm not behaving like a Christian at all, you know. And uh, the next day, you know, I repented, confessed my sin to the Lord, knew that he forgave me, uh, washed me anew because of Christ, you know, First John 1, 9. The next day we went on a walk and I just told him what happened and the Lord was at work in his life and we were immediately reconciled uh, to one another. And we ha have had ever since at that time, we've had a deep, meaningful relationship and, you know, not, in fact, we haven't had any issues ever since that time, you know, that's was about 20 years ago now and, you know, my dad and I are very, very close. So what you're, what you're saying is just so good, you know, and I, I would just echo that with that example. Well, that's a beautiful example. You know, one of the questions we'll talk about later, but maybe we'll just weave into it right now. Uh, you wanted to ask me about how's the local church get involved in, in family ministry. You're describing that just through your illustration, Dave, that, you know, these ideas of families and individuals within the family looking at their own heart, uh, finding God's grace, finding God's conviction, uh, going to another person, repenting, asking forgiveness, that should saturate everything in the church, right? And you have a great benefit of the maturity in your own life, uh, people in your churches that have built into you like that. Not everybody has that. And so part of what I hope with gospel-centered family counseling is that churches saturate these concepts into everything that happens. So in your small group, you start talking and sharing a little bit about a passage, maybe the Colossians 3 passage you were talking about. And the small group leader facilitates it and says, let's, let's get away just from the academic part here. Do any of us struggle with this with our kids? And boy, right in the group, you can start talking through and equipping one another. Uh, what about youth group with teenagers? You know, yeah, study the scripture, but then relate those scriptures relevantly to problems that teen have, teens have with their parents. Uh, so the Bible talks about honoring parents. What does it mean biblically to honor a parent? What if that parent is behaving in a dishonorable way? Youth groups can disciple uh, teens in that. You know, I love the idea of family mentoring and getting together where and you hang out with an older couple and see how, how do they handle their soul and teen? How do they work with their terrible twos, toddlers? Uh, so all of those are things. And I think what you describe is, is how our personal time with the Lord really accentuates what should happen in biblical family counseling and then how what happens day by day in the local church should really just build on that. Now, there's this phrase in the biblical counseling world that we don't just want, you know, a church of biblical or with biblical counseling where there's a little ministry somewhere, but a church of biblical counseling. And that's really what we're talking about here. We want a church where family ministry, family discipleship takes place. Yeah. In counseling, where there's some intense, pointed, specific issues, but it takes place throughout the church, throughout the congregation, 24-7, day by day. That's really, really good, brother. Really good. The subtitle of your book is An Equipping Guide for Pastors and Counselors. Would those two groups, pastors and counselors, be your primary audience, or do you have other readers in view? Yeah, I appreciate that question. It certainly would be a primary audience, as that subtitle, you say, subtitle says. So pastors, I, even as my illustration earlier in my own life talked about, I mean, the complexity of family 
issue uh, are different than when I started ministry 30 years ago. So I'm writing this so pastors can have a greater sense of confidence. So many pastors just kind of, man, that's complex. I have to refer that. I want those pastors to, to be trained, to be equipped in this uh, equipping manual workbook so they can feel confident in Christ to work with those difficult family situations. Counselors, of course, but even that's got to be defined. You know, in our biblical counseling world, that doesn't just mean somebody with a degree. There are thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of lay biblical counselors. I try to write gospel-centered family counseling in a very user-friendly way so that uh, the average person in the congregation can benefit from it, benefit from the many questions that are in the book, the many illustrations in the book, uh, the step-by-step training in 22 different family counseling skills. Uh, so it's, it's for everyone to, again, that small group leader to read through this book, and then when something comes up, they at least have some direction that they can go in working with the family. And then other books really written for parents, or excuse me, for pastors, counselors, um, lay leaders. There's three initial chapters where I talk about a grace-based approach to parenting. And so those three chapters could very easily be standalone. In fact, I've had some people that have read advanced copies make that very gracious statement. Wow, those first three chapters, just give those to parents. And frankly, I do often give that material to parents. The first time they can come in for counseling over the next few weeks, I want you to be reading these chapters. We're going to be talking about that. So it's a very diverse audience, specific in equipping people for family counseling, but pastors, counselors, professors and students, uh, lay counselors, one another ministers, and even parents can benefit from the book too, I believe. Very good, brother. Very good. Well, you know, you were just touching on, you know, parenting with grace and truth. What does that look like practically? Well, you and I both like that word grace as any Christian should. Your ministry, servants of grace. And you know me, Dave, I have a lot of acrostic and acronyms. So in those first three chapters, I spell out the word grace um, to kind of talk about what grace and truth parenting would be. So the G is God-dependent parents. Um, I give the illustration of Manoah and his wife. And, you know, when the angel of the Lord came, they said, they asked basically for a how-to manual, and they didn't get a how-to manual. Uh, they got the Nazarite vow, which is what? is really a picture of God dependency. I'm not going to live by human bread, uh, human drink. I'm going to live by dependence on the, on the Lord. So part of what we talk about, even at the beginning throughout uh, marriage counseling and in the gospel, or excuse me, family counseling and the gospel-centered family counseling book, is what does it mean to give up your own control, try to parent in your own power, and to be a grace and God-dependent parent? So that's a G. The I is a little clunkier. I had to get the R in there, but revelation-based wisdom. So what I mean by that is parenting is complex. And so when you've got a preteen who's struggling with bullying and then bringing home things that indicate anxiety and depression, I mean, how do you understand that? Well, revelation-based wisdom is how do we go to Scripture? And that part of that equipping parent through the counseling process, I don't want to just take them to Scripture. I want to equip them to know what Scripture to go to, how to look at those Scriptures, and how to apply that Scripture to, to minister to a bullied child. So God-dependent parents, revelation-based wisdom. The A is affirming and accepting grace love. One of the things we talk about in those first three chapters is most parents really do love their children, but there's a disconnect often between how I communicate that and what a seven-year-old can understand. So in the book and in uh, family counseling, we try to help children or parents to really understand the uniqueness of their child. Every child is fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, my father-in-law, who is now in glory, used to say there's a key to every child's heart if he can just learn it. So part of good family counseling is helping parents to figure out that key to the uniqueness of their child and affirm them with grace, love, in a way that matches how that child was fearfully and wonderfully.
we made. So God-dependent, revelation-based, affirming grace love, and then care-fronting or confronting the child's heart. I mean, there's time. The child has to be disciplined. How do we do that in love? How do we do that in humility? So grace and truth. We talk in the book how counselors can equip parents to have care-fronting. And I like that word, care-fronting. Confronting can sound so abrasive, but you, out of care, challenge the child toward a more godly uh, lifestyle and attitude. And the final uh, letter in that acrostic of grace is E, equipping our children. Again, the parent equip, or excuse me, the counselor equip the parent to equip the children. So those are five things we talk about in the first three chapters of the book that hopefully will give parents some real practical skills in that grace and truth parenting. So they can do it 24-7 and not just in the, the counseling office. That's really good. We, My wife and I, we have a two and a half, almost three-year-old kid we have living with us. It's it's my sister-in-law's child. And we've definitely all have had to learn uh, patience <laughs> with a toddler, uh, myself included here. Okay. Yeah. I have... Pfft, my goodness, I've blown it so many times. But uh, just realizing, hey, this is a, he doesn't understand. He needs patience. He needs love. What he wants is when I come out of my office, oftentimes he's right there, you know, he wants to see his uncle. And recognizing, you know, me and my brain, I'm very task oriented. And it's like, sometimes I don't acknowledge him. And then, you know, he gets upset, his feelings get hurt. And then I have to apologize to him and his mom. And, and but that's okay, you know, recognizing that is good and then doing something about it you know is it's been it's been good for me um and my wife as well you know and it's just part of the process it's part of working together having conversations and uh you know he likes me doing the hulk smash uh, where i pick <laughs> pick him up on my shoulder and you know jet very jet not like drop him but you know, very gently put him down because, you know, he's just a little guy. Although he's pretty big for a three-year-old. Um, but still, you know, he needs love and attention like all of us do. And so yeah. you're absolutely right. But you're doing great instead of grace-based parenting, you're doing grace-based uncling. Yeah. Is that a word? <laughs> and We're I, making it up as we go, brother. <laughs> yeah. Shirley and I are doing grace-based grandparenting with our eight, six, and four-year-old talking about your, you know, picking up your uh, two-and-a-half-year-old. Our, our four-year-old wants to say, let's do dun dun What you mean? by that is they get on my back and we do we hum the theme to uh, Bonanza remember back from the 60s and 70s our young viewers won't remember that and I, I'm not a good hummer so I won't do it publicly but uh, so da 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 she wants to do da 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 and you know that means a lot to her and then all three girls and I have to have the eight year old and I have to have the six year old um, but at the same time there's ways I minister to the six year old differently than the eight year old not just because of the age difference but that personality difference that's one of the things I think in, in good biblical family counseling we talk all the time in biblical counseling that God's word is sufficient and relevant, but it becomes a catchphrase sometimes. But good counseling gives parents, grandparents, uncles the, the confidence and wisdom that this word can relate to this specific situation. This struggle with the six-year-old, this struggle with the two-and-a-half-year-old, this, this emotional nature of my six-year-old. Uh, so we, a big part of good family counseling, biblical family counseling, is helping parents to step back and like, wow, God's word really is relevant and powerful, isn't it? If you can get there, then you're just about done with family counseling. That goes back to, you know, we don't replace parents. We empower with them. How do we do that? By giving them confidence in the sufficiency and relevancy of God's word. Mm, so good, brother. So good. What are some of the best ways counselors can help families to work together towards better communication with each other? Well, this goes back to something we've hit on a little bit here and there in this interview, Dave, is the tendency to make family counseling, individual counseling with an audience. I just talked to the parent. I just talked to the kid. Um, so one of the most important things that I talk about throughout gospel-centered family counseling is equipping the counselor 
counselor, the pastor, one another minister, get the family members talking to each other. But if you want them to communicate well outside counseling, let's get them communicating inside counseling. And frankly, that's going to get messy, which is, I think, one reason a lot of times the family counselor just talks the whole time. They don't want to be quiet. They don't want, want to invite communication. I mean, it can get explosive. But if it gets explosive in your office, which is a safe environment with boundaries, think how much more explosive it gets when you're not there. So I really try to equip the counselor to say, get them talking in front of you. And then once they start talking and it gets explosive, what an opportunity to really understand that unique couple, or excuse me, that unique family, parent and child. You know, otherwise you get a lot of he said, she said. Maybe you have an individual session with a 15-year-old son. Well, this is what my parents do. Then you have an individual session with what the parents, this is how my parents, or this is how our teenager act. But now get them together and get them talking. You don't have to worry about he said, she said. You see it. And so now as you've seen it, you've identified heart issues. Because it's not just changing communication patterns. It's changing at the heart level. You see those played out in front of you. And you ask the, the family members, is this what typically happens? And sometimes they even say, it's usually worse. We're on our best behavior because we're here in your office and you're the pastor, you're the counselor. So now you have that messed up family bring their messes right in front of you. And you do that confident that God's word has answers for them. Answers to look at our heart issues. Answers then once you start changing the heart issues to look at in Ephesians 4 and communication principles. Look at Ephesians 6. But we don't start there. We start at get the mess out there, identify heart issues confess, repent to them, grant forgiveness, then we start moving into that guiding process of now what does it look like together for you to study scripture, to put off those old patterns of how the teenager responds, how the dad acts, and put on new, more biblical patterns. So, so in a phrase, get them talking to each other and they get them talking about God's word together. That's really good. You know, growing up, I mentioned uh, that there was a lot of challenges in my family. So I'll share that, one of those challenges. And then I'll share how we, my wife and I handle it now. You know, I remember as a teenager, my parents fighting, arguing all the time. And I remember living in a, we lived in a now, the house was $2 million overlooking um, it over, it's in Bellevue, just above West Lake Sammamish, overlooks, you know, the the Lake Sammamish, Lake Sammamish there and Mount Rainier, beautiful home. Wow. The golfing community, you know, my dad was doing very well at his job. So we were able to live there. But inside the home, every night they were fighting, you know, on the other side of the house. And that was... I mean, imagine as a teenager living in that, um, it, it was, it was, it was hard. It took a long time to get over that many, many years until getting married. Um, but I knew when I got married that we weren't going to do that. Um, and it took a while, you know, to, to address that in our marriage, to learn how to do that better. Um, where we could have open communication. You know, I am not perfect. <laughs> you know, I'm a Christian leader and those types of things, but I often just go back. I'm just, a, forget all that. I'm just a Christian, you know, and I need to apologize. I need to repent. And one of the things, you know, when my, we, my sister-in-law lives here, when we do have a situation where we act in the flesh, we're all Christians and we act in the flesh and we blow up each other. That night, my wife brings us together around the table because it's usually me and my sister-in-law, but heads we do and she mediates and we have wow. a beautiful open honest communication one of us shares and then the other person shares I'm usually last by and large um, and then my wife will share and and we all get together around the table 
Um, usually I have a snack or something and we apologize um, and we share, oh, this is what happened. Like you're talking about, this is what, this is what happened. This is how I feel about this. You know, it's not to blame anybody or anything like that. It's just to share openly about what happened in this situation. You know, this is how I was made to feel, you know, um, you know, whenever anybody engages in personal attack, you know, we're like, hey, that's kind of a little too personal. Um, and we give that person permission if they're upset to walk away you know and and to come back later or not you know that that's between we just say that's between them and the lord at that point and you know they need space to pray and the holy spirit to work and you know if they want to come back and we need to have another time but we work it out you know don't just let things fester and grow and in my going back to the example beginning that's where my childhood was is things just festered and grew and there was so much um bitterness and resentment because of that and um um, so I knew that I never wanted to have that in my in my home um, and foster that and it, have that kind of culture in my home. Although I'm not the perfect representation of that, and I'm still learning and growing even after and still will after you know 13 and a half years of marriage. So well, what a beautiful picture, Dave, of what your wife did. You know that gets to that whole biblical counseling principles saturating everything. It's not just what happens in the office. Your wife getting you together at the table and mediating and getting you talking to each other. Just like we talked about in the book. And that's really what I equip folks who read the book to do. Get both talking to each other, even if it's messy. And then coach them, coach their heart, coach their responses uh, so that they don't need you. And they can do that in their home, in their living room uh, with a lay mediator. And that's a great example. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Yes, brother. Well, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about just wrapping up this conversation. Uh, do you have any takeaways, brother? You know, probably the biggest one that we've implied throughout. Uh, and we just talked about it right now. Right, which is a family counselor should work himself first off out of the job, right? So, hey, if everybody had someone like your wife, I wouldn't need to do any counseling uh, because she's doing counseling, mediation, conciliation right there. So, by getting the family members talking in front of you, taking them to scriptures, not just teaching at them, but equipping them to explore scriptures together that apply specifically to their stuff, their specific situation, we work ourselves out of the job. And you now, one thing I don't think we highlighted a whole lot in this interview that maybe I, I talk about how I try to do that. Um, it's really like a passing baton. I try and pass the time to the reader of the book. They pass the time to the parents. The parents pass the time to the children. So the book's really designed as a workbook. Uh, 22 family counseling skills that we highlight and each chapter has maybe three or four of those. After each segment in a chapter, maybe four or five pages talking about one of those skills, there's four or five workbook questions where you role play, where you work it through, you think it through. What scriptures? How would you do that? Uh, so point by point you're not trying to take hundreds of pages of material and think about how would i do that in counseling you five pages and then you've got questions to think through uh, so by the time you're done with the book there's like 250 family counseling skill building exercises uh, and questions that the reader or as i call them participant goes through and i also have scores of counseling vignettes so just as you've given some great examples babe to flesh out family relationship in the book i give example after example so that somebody reading gets a sense so that's what it looks like with the real family. And then there's hundreds, if not probably over a thousand, counseling dialogues, sample questions to ask, um, ways to draw out parents, ways to draw out that sullen teenager. Um, so I really want to make it that workbook. And I want to shepherd the shepherds, to shepherd the parents, so they shepherd their kids. A lot of shepherding going on. That, that's probably the biggest uh, takeaway and summary of gospel-centered family counseling. V very good, brother. Very good. Well, can you tell us more about RPM Ministries, where people can find you on social 
social media and uh, where people can pick up the book? Sure. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning, this is a second of two interviews. Uh, first interview was about a companion book. This is uh, interviews about gospel-centered family counseling. The other one's gospel-centered marriage counseling. They really are companions. You can purchase them individually, uh, but many of the same concept, but directed to those different issues of family or marriage. Uh, you can get those at RPM Ministry. So at www.rpmministries.org. At that site, I have a writing page where there's probably a couple dozen free resources on the two books. Now, overall, on my resource page, I probably have 250 free resources about biblical counseling, Christian living, uh, grief, anxiety, all sorts of different topics on church history that people can go to. There's also an RPM store where people want to buy both books together. You can get those at 40% off. Want to buy them individually, 35% off. You can get the books at the publisher, Baker uh, Books. You can get them at Amazon. But of course, authors who have their own uh, store often will encourage you to go to their store. I make just a little bit more, not a whole lot of profit when I give it at 40% off, but a little bit more if you purchase from me. I'll even autograph it for you. Also, I, I'm active on Twitter, as I know you are, Dave. So my Twitter handle is my name, Bob Kellerman, and I tweet a lot of resources, not only my own, but other folks. I also have on Facebook, Gospel-Centered Biblical Counseling and Equipping page. Uh, we have almost 3,000 members. It's really a pretty active group. You're on there, Dave. And I like it because Dave will post things uh, about his podcast. I'll post things about Kevin Carson. So it's not just the Bob Kellerman page, um, but we have lots of different resources. on a very active group. Like sometimes if I'm on vacation for a little while, I come back and it's like, whoa, there's been a lot of conversation on here. I wonder if I need to moderate anything. So people can uh, get to me in the books at RPM Ministries. And then Twitter is my name, Bob Kellerman. And Facebook is Gospel-Centered Biblical Counseling and Equipping Group. Very good, brother. I would encourage our listeners to go ahead and check out RPM Ministries. Um, I wrote an article for you a while back. You so graciously invited me. Yeah. Um, would love to do that again, Lord willing. And uh, pre- appreciate your ministry, brother, and your friendship a great deal. And you're a blessing to many, many people. So keep it up. Well, thanks, Dave. As I said, it's a, it's a blast to be interviewed by a friend. You're a real encourager to me. And Servants of Grace really is a, a appropriate title for your ministry because you're a God servant and you've spoken grace into my life many times. So ditto on the thank and appreciation. Uh, praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord. I would like to thank Baker Books for sponsoring today's episode. Don't forget to visit the Baker Book website at bakerbookhouse.com. Bakerbookhouse.com for the latest releases from them. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.